A very good Monday. Welcome to today's edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In addition to feature agricultural news reports, I'll bring you national and regional agricultural news headlines. And I'll start with regional ag news right after this. Agroplante is the leading manufacturer in specialty products. Agroplante formulates products that rise to the challenge of today's growing conditions. Saline and sodic soils reduce crop yield and cause significant crop losses. Agroplante developed Cation EX5 Plus with growers in mind to manage soil salinity. With multiple years of research, Cation EX5 Plus has proven to be an excellent source of calcium and an effective soil salinity manager. Run it through drip irrigation without any issues. Simplify your application method with innovative and efficient formulations. Alleviate salinity stress with Cat Ion EX5 Plus. Agroplante, imagination, innovation, science in action. The Department of Water Resources, in coordination with the California Department of Food and Agriculture, has awarded $25 million in financial assistance to three groundwater sustainability agencies through the Land of Flex program. The funding will help preserve critical groundwater supplies in Central Valley communities. Landflex is a tool for GSAs to help provide immediate protection of drinking water wells in underrepresented communities impacted by prolonged drought and overpumping of groundwater supplies. The program also helps GSAs accelerate efforts to better manage and protect groundwater supplies for long-term sustainability as required by the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act of 2014. DWR has awarded grants to the following three GSAs. Madera County Groundwater Sustainability Agency. They received $9.3 million. The Greater Cahuilla Groundwater Sustainability Agency received $7 million. And the Eastern Tulare Groundwater Sustainability Agency received $7 million. With these grant funds, GSAs will work directly with interested growers to temporarily idle agricultural lands to provide immediate benefits for vulnerable domestic wells. This one-year drought relief measure is expected to keep 1,500 to 5,000 acre-feet of groundwater in the ground to avoid impacts on vulnerable drinking water wells. The program will also help permanently eliminate the use of groundwater overdraft on each enrolled acre. This longer-term benefit of the Landflex program is designed to prevent the extraction of an estimated 100,000 to 200,000 acre-feet of groundwater, accelerating each GSA's efforts towards sustainable groundwater management. The program incentivizes participation by small and medium-sized farm operations where a reduction in agricultural pumping would help keep household and small community water system wells from going dry. Landflex will help incentivize responsible groundwater and land use sustainability practices by encouraging growers to mitigate the impacts of groundwater overdraft in vulnerable areas. This program not only has the potential to be an effective tool for GSAs and their growers to push towards sustainability, but to provide a much-needed helping hand to vulnerable communities in the San Joaquin Valley whose drinking water is being severely impacted by overdraft and the state's prolonged drought, according to DWR partner Campo with self-help enterprises. Although a series of storms in January helped recover some reservoir levels, groundwater supplies are slower to recover and drinking water wells throughout California are still at risk of going dry because groundwater is being pumped faster than it can be replenished. In order to reach vulnerable communities in need and provide smaller disadvantaged farmers access to the program, DWR is partnering with Community Alliance and Family Farmers, Self-Help Enterprises, Western United Dairies Foundation, and the Almond Alliance to assist GSAs with providing outreach and engagement to growers. More information on the Landflex program is on the California Department of Water Resources website. 
Higher ground amounts are now available for local small farming operations participating in the Ag Burn Alternatives grant program and Ag Tractor Replacement programs, according to the San Joaquin Valley Air Pollution Control District. Those participating in the Agricultural Tractor Replacement program can receive up to 80% of the cost of eligible new latest certified equipment for operations of 100 acres or less. Operations between 101 and 500 acres can receive up to 70% of the cost of eligible new latest certified equipment. Operations of 100 acres or less can receive up to 80% of funding to replace old equipment with certified pre-owned Tier 3 or cleaner equipment. In the Open Burning Incentive Program, the District Governing Board also increased grant operations of 100 acres or less to now receive an additional $400 per acre on top of the $300 to $1,300 per acre based on a crop type and practice to deploy clean alternatives to open burning. Officials say at least 30% of total program funding is allocated to farming operations on 500 acres or less. The district also offers a variety of programs to support Valley residents, businesses, and public agencies with cleaner equipment, vehicles, and practices. For more information, log on to valleyair.org grants. Allen Hancock College hosted an agricultural technology forum aimed at developing the next generation of tech-savvy agricultural workers recently. The college partnered with the Western Growers Center for Innovation and Technology and the California Department of Food and Agriculture to host the half-day event titled Ag Tech X Ed. The forum featured three discussion panels and several keynote addresses covering industry issues, skill identification, education, workforce development strategies, and current and future workforce needs. The keynote speaker was Karen Ross, California Department of Food and Agriculture Secretary. She was appointed in 2019 by Governor Gavin Newsom to be the Secretary but was initially appointed by Governor Jerry Brown in 2011. In a citrus update from Marcon Cooperative, Marcon First Crop and Essentials Lemons are available. Production continues in the San Joaquin Valley and Southern California. Rain is slowing production in the Central Valley, but adequate supplies are expected out of Southern California. Markets are expected to continue to climb in Lenten season, and quality remains excellent. As for California oranges, MFC and ESS Naval oranges are available. Rain has limited cruisability to harvest, thus demand is expected to exceed supply. Current quality is excellent. Sugar levels are high. Lettuce supplies from the Imperial and Yuma Valleys is in steady but light supply and will continue that way for the next few weeks. This follows cooler than normal weather, pushing supplies back anywhere from 5 to 10 days behind schedule. Supply will continue from these regions from the end of March into mid-April, depending on a growing region. At the same time, more weather concerns loom in California as the transition to Huron, Santa Maria, and Salinas are also behind schedule due to cooler weather and also due to planting gaps caused by rain. There could be some interruption in supply that according to Paul Vogel of QSI Produce. He says, however, what's really going to be a factor is what will supplies be like in Mexico and Florida at that time. If the eastern markets pulling out of McAllen, Texas and Florida get shut down in any of those areas, there could be a really strong market from April to mid-May. While national demand is a little soft on lettuces right now due to a variety of issues, including high retail prices, adverse weather throughout North America, supplies out of Mexico and Florida competing for a shrinking open market, it is a staple item. Lettuce is the drum of the band. Everyone uses it. And in fact, they're finding a resurgence in demand on iceberg, according to Vogel, adding that in turn, the lack of open market demand is resulting in occasional opportunities for below contract pricing. California nut growers may see a bit of relief on the supply side as they enter 2023. 
That includes improved shipping container availability, as well as lower fertilizer and energy prices and improved water supplies. On a negative note, David Magana, Rabobank's senior analyst who covers specialty crops, said overall global demand for nuts continues to be soft. Now for 2023, we've seen some uh, positive developments. So I will explain about supply side factors that uh, will improve in 2023 compared to last year. The first one is uh, logistics. A year ago, we were discussing all these logistical challenges, poor congestions, elevated uh, container rates. Over the past 12 months, things have considerably improved. So the logistics side will be better because of two factors. One is increased capacity, as uh, some of these companies have continued to invest. One negative aspect is that we are seeing lower global demand for trade. So that will bring us to better logistics in 2023, lower transportation cost. So that's one uh, positive aspect. Two more uh, positive aspects on the supply side. One is lower fertilizer cost compared to elevated levels in 2022. And the water outlook for this year is better. And so now the cost of pumping water should go down because now water allocation is expected to be uh, the highest in, in, in a few years. But still, we see some challenges on the demand side. Net growers felt inflationary pressures, particularly in 2022. Coupled with lower prices in some cases, Magana said margins shrunk. Growers this year should see some price relief on input costs. But he said higher labor costs will continue to be a concern. Particularly 2022 was a very challenging year with increasing costs and uh, prices under pressure given elevated inventories, record inventories actually for some of the crops. And so margins were really challenging or even on the negative side. So for this year, uh, we will see some pressure being um, released on the inputs, input cost side, particularly fertilizer and chemistry should come down from elevated levels in 2022. Energy as well. And on the other hand, labor will continue to be a challenge. Now that we see all these uh, near shoring or French shoring, um, uh, a lot of uh, manufacturers relocating to the US, to Mexico, that will put additional pressure on uh, labor availability impacting agriculture and that's been a challenge for for years so that is not gonna go away anytime soon so now innovation needs to take place in every single aspect of, of production inflation also continues to challenge the demand side of the tree net industry globally in many cases magania said consumers are trading down but the softening of the u.s dollar compared to other foreign currencies may make u.s exports more competitive he said they've already seen that with record almond exports in January and strong export demands for walnuts. That is one of the aspects on the demand side that will continue to be a challenge. We see persistent inflation, elevated inflation globally that is impacting the demand for tree nuts as many consumers continue to trade down. And also economic growth prospects are not too rosy for this year as well. One aspect on the, uh, on the demand side is uh, depreciating dollar against uh, currencies in key markets such as uh, Euro, Japanese Yen, Chinese Yuan. That will improve competitiveness of U.S. exports uh, this year. 
And we've already seen some impacts of that benefiting exports. So we saw a record high almond exports during January and also walnut exports are also improving. So if uh, for the second half of the marketing year, we see improved exports, that should help with uh, carry carry out. And hopefully with prices are now starting to, to improve for the, for the second half of this uh, marketing year. Based on market factors, almond growers continue to remove unprofitable or marginal orchards. The same holds true for the walnut industry. How much acreage is ultimately removed remains to be seen. Magania said another unknown is the size of the almond, pistachio, and walnut crops this season. These will all factor into the supply and demand equation. Given these factors that I, we already discussed on the supply side and on the demand side, we will see still some question marks regarding yields, weather, and obviously also how many acres will remain productive this year. So with the crop size still a question mark now for 2023, that will be a big factor to consider for, for prices. But at least now we're seeing some positive developments on the export side. Exports are improving and should continue to improve the rest of the marketing season and help with prices, which have been challenging for the past two seasons. As this podcast was recorded, the almond bloom had just peaked and walnuts and pistachios had yet to break their winter slumber. A good part of what occurs during the next six to eight months of the growing season is out of producers' hands, but it will ultimately be a driving force in the nut marketplace. This is Vicki Boyd reporting for My Ag Life. And in national agricultural news here today, the White House announced actions intended to hold Russia accountable for invading Ukraine. U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai says as part of that effort, President Biden announced additional tariff increases on a variety of goods from Russia worth approximately $2.8 billion. The president raised tariffs on most metal and metal products, doubling them from 35 to 70 percent and targeting a crucial revenue-generating sector of the Russian economy. He also increased tariffs on additional Russian products to 35 percent, including chemicals and minerals. These moves are complemented by tariff increases on Russian aluminum. These actions are carefully calibrated to put economic pressure on Russia while minimizing costs to U.S. consumers, according to Tai. As the president recently said in Poland, the United States and allies and partners will hold accountable those who are responsible for the war. She also says those actions demonstrate the U.S. resolve in doing precisely that. The Black Sea Grain Initiative is set to expire next month, and USDA's chief economist Seth Meyer says that he is concerned about what happens next. You've got two of the biggest wheat producers in the world fighting in an area that exports a lot of wheat. With Ukraine's grain exports expected to fall almost one-third after one year of war, even with a Black Sea Green initiative. That initiative is coming up here in the next month for renewal. That is something that contributes to the Ukrainians exporting grain, that moderates global grain prices. Reducing hunger and starvation in parts of Africa, the Middle East, and Asia. The initiative is set to expire on March 18th, and Ukraine wants it extended for another year. My concern would be if the Black Sea Green initiative does not continue, they will have to rationalize production further down. The Black Sea Grain Initiative is serving a very important purpose to get that product out and moderate global uh, grain prices. Still, Meyer says the initiative does not get Ukraine back to pre-war production levels of 86 million tons in 2021, cut to 54 million tons last year in the face of war and financial export problems. 
The Energy Information Administration says ethanol output jumped to the highest level in more than two months, while inventories again increased during the week, ending on February 17th. The EIA report says production rose to an average of 1.03 million barrels a day. That's up from 1.01 million barrels on average during the previous weekend as the highest output since December 16th. The Midwest saw output increase to an average of 984,000 barrels a day, up from 965,000 barrels during the previous week. That was where all the grains took place. Production in the West Coast and East Coast regions was unchanged from the prior week. Production in the Rocky Mountain and Gulf Coast regions fell to an average of 9,000 and 21,000 barrels a day, respectively. Ethanol stockpiles were up again, rising to 25.58 million barrels, up from 25.33 million during the prior week, and the highest level since April 1st of 2022. The National FFA organization was amazed at the amount of support shown during the National Give FFA Day event. They were excited to announce that with the generous support of the FFA community, they helped raise a record-breaking amount of money. A total of $721,506 will go towards benefiting National FFA and 51 FFA associations. To those who donated on Give FFA Day, they are so grateful for the support, according to the organization in a news release. The generosity will impact FFA members and teachers across the country. Country. They also say because the support was so generous, FFA is able to build members' leadership skills, instill a passion for service, and prepare the next generation. For those who did not get a chance to donate, you can go to FFA.org to continue to support the organization. The U.S. Secretary of Agriculture and European Union Ag Commissioner visited on common goals and different strategies related to sustainability at the 2023 USA Ag Outlook Forum. USA Ag News reporter Rod Bain. A conversation between U.S. and European Union counterparts on transatlantic agriculture and food sustainability. It's an ongoing conversation, and I think the most important thing here is that you need to keep talking to one another. You need to keep searching for that elusive sweet spot that you find every once in a while that allows you to take a step forward. I can summarize our common goals in the world four times security, stability, sustainability, and solidarity. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack and EU Ag Commissioner Janusz Wojciechowski Friday at this year's USDA Agricultural Outlook Forum. Both acknowledge similarities in their goals for food and farm production in their respective principalities and different approaches in strategy. Also discussed during the session, building joint response efforts in global humanitarian food aid and support regarding the conflict in Ukraine. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. A group of transportation and trucking stakeholders sent a letter to Congress asking for a repeal of the federal excise tax on heavy-duty commercial vehicles. The federal excise tax on heavy-duty trucks is an outdated revenue source that disproportionately burdens small businesses and dampens demand for emerging technologies like electric vehicles, according to the letter from the American Trucking Association, American Truck Dealers, and Zero Emission Transport Association. The letter goes on to say that the heavy excise tax was established in 1970 to defray the cost of World War I and today adds 12% to the cost of a new truck, creating a major disincentive for trucking fleets, small and large, to modernize their equipment and replace older tractors with new low-emission power units. The EFT can add more than $50,000 to the price of the latest low- or zero-emission vehicle, making these investments cost-prohibitive for smaller fleets. Over 90% of U.S. motor carriers operate six or fewer trucks. The federal government wants heavy-duty trucks to be cleaner or emission-free, but 
slaps a 12% tax on the newest, greenest trucks. If the goal is to reduce emissions, repealing the counterproductive EFT is a good place to start, according to Scott McCandless, ATD chairman and president of McCandless Truck Center. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcast, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. Thank you.